from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Hanging out with you here this morning. PJ would be proud of me wearing that Jaguar over on my, my left side here. Above my heart, I love how some people don't know where their heart is. It's always fun when they go to do the Pledge of Allegiance or anything. They're where, what side is it on? But yes, it's, it's on the left side. For those of you watching, it looks like my right Good morning to Alan, who sent us a message here. Plenty coming up on today's show. We are, of course, live for you on internet streaming radio on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt and on internet streaming video on facebook.com backslash livenowdt. So whether you're watching or listening, listening or watching, thank you so much for being a part of it. You can tune in live every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Search Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on your favorite podcasting app, MixLR, YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Spotify, the RSS feed directly, Podbean, TuneIn, Stitcher, and more. So thank you, however you're tuning into the show and listening back to it. We have a jam-packed show inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And they have the Callaway, and they have the Tommy Bahama and the Bamboo K. And I was just in there a couple days ago, and all I know is that I need to go on vacation because I got asked the question, Dan, when are you going back to Florida? Because it, it's something that I continuously do, but it's been a little while. The holidays, I haven't been down there. This morning, it's 12 in Syracuse and in central New York. So I'm missing you, Florida. You know you're my second home, and I love you to pieces. And so with that being said, we do have a Florida feel. We have some warmth coming into the show today, and that's Papa Joe coming to us from St. Augustine. Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory bring you what's popping every broadcast, which is the list of topics on the day proudly brought to you by the best place to get your snack on, and that is 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool at Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory. We'll have the NFL as well as college football talk with Papa Joe. That's why you're seeing the college football playoff trophy, as well as the NFL logo. And in hour number two, I will get to fans' thoughts. I put out these questions all season long asking you about your take on Syracuse basketball. And many of you are not happy with a team that's currently 8-7. and seven. So you see the dome right there. That is a signifier. Then in hour number two, I will read your thoughts. As long as they're respectful and there's no swearing or personal attacks, I will read your thoughts today. So I put the question out on Facebook. You can find it on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. Click like and then give your comments. Uh, there's a post there that you'll find that said, what are your current thoughts on Syracuse men's basketball? I have many from you. I will read them today and we'll have the discussion in hour number two. So plenty coming up from all of you. And thank you so much for tuning in. With that being said, let's bring the man in. PJ, PJ, how are we doing this morning? Good morning, Daniel. Fine. Everything's great down here. How I mean, you said it's a little a little nippy down there, and I told you it's twelve up here. So what's nippy in Florida? Forty five, fifty five. No, it's 60, it's uh, sixty right now. You poor thing. <laughs> yeah, seventy two, seventy four, somewhere around there. 
But, you know, we're not used to that kind of weather. I know you're not. I know you're not by any stretch of the imagination. How are things right now? I mean, it's it, it, some time has marinated since the Jaguars, Shad Khan, the owner, decided to keep GM Dave Caldwell as well as head coach Doug Marone. What's the news been like? What's the paper been like? Now that now that we've gone a week since everything has happened, what's uh, what's been the reaction? Very, very quiet. And very, very few... Uh articles uh no no splashes no nothing uh no one put that you know guys guys are sending in their uh their opinions which is fine but you know i think it's just time to for caldwell and marone just to sit back and reflect and and understand that they're given a this they're really given a life raft here i because i didn't i didn't see this coming i mean i i saw this i saw the the skill level that they played with in the last game and i thought well you know, they're playing for Marone, they're playing for themselves. I'm wondering why they didn't play this, this way 16 games in a row, but it's, I guess that's hard to do. Uh, you know, with Coughlin being away, perhaps they can they can make the right decisions to uh, to bring forth some some good uh, good records here. Um, uh, you know, it's it's bittersweet. You know, I, I don't like to see anyone terminated, especially uh, a Hall of Fame quarter uh, Hall of Fame coach like uh, Coach Coughlin, but these guys have got a fairly decent team to work with. You know, they're going to have to fill in some holes with the draft. they got some high draft picks. You know, they're going to have to determine what to do with polls. They're going to have to determine what to do with Minshew. Although Minshew, there was a cute little article in yesterday's Florida Times Union, which is the Jacksonville paper. He's, he's bought an RV, and he's going to go around the country. He's going to go from here to Florida, to, from here to California in his RV, stop along the way, talk with people, Wears little bandana. He's got his mustache on, so he's going to have a lot of fun doing that. He said it's going to take him a long time to do it, but that's what he wants to do uh, to heal up and, and reflect himself. He's got a lot to, to think about too. If he's given the keys to this car, uh, you know he's going to he's going to have to really ascertain where he fits in the scheme of things, and if they're going to build an offense around him and that Foles. So with Foles, you know it's a tough call. I mean, I, several weeks ago, I. I told you that this would be a financial call. I still think that's the case. You know, you don't want to guarantee a guy $50 million and chew him down the road. You know, you may want to keep him, keep him around and have the quarterback competition open up between the two. And then if he doesn't, if he doesn't get the starting job, then what would you do with him? You got a $50 million uh, backup. It's a terrible situation to be in, but that's why Khan is an owner of a half a billion dollar company. So let him figure it out himself. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the thing where we sit this morning is what do you do? So, you know, Carson Wentz has not been able to stay healthy in any postseason. And he wasn't available for their run recently when they had made it to the playoffs last season. He wasn't available when they made it to the Super Bowl. He And then, you know, this season he goes in and for the first time ever he's available for the playoffs. And just two series in he gets hit by Jadavian Clowney and he's out for the rest of the game. So he has not been able to be truly healthy for any single postseason since he's become the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles since joining the NFL and being drafted. But this year, they couldn't flip to Nick Foles. So do the Jaguars, potentially, just to feel it out, just to see, do they call Philadelphia and say, hey, your glory boy, who, you know, we don't know how he is as a starter because we really haven't gotten to experience that too much, but he's the best closer in football, 
And any time that Wentz has gone out and you've had Foles, you guys have been able to win and win in the postseason. So would you consider taking him back? Do the Jaguars make a phone call to the Eagles and say, hey, listen, you just went through yet another season without having without you know Carson Wentz being healthy for a playoff game, but this is the first season where you haven't had Nick Foles. You can have him back if you want to. Is that a phone call to make? Well, there's, I think there's plenty of scenarios that uh, the Jaguars can use here. Uh, one of them being a calling Philadelphia, of course, but other ones calling other teams. Uh, you know, they got they got a little time on their side before the draft and before they uh, figure out who they, what they want to do going forward. Uh, I personally would like to see Minshaw given the keys. I think he's proved himself. You know, he's, he's a little rough around the edges, but he damn sure is exciting, I'll tell you that. I mean, Nick Foles is a consummate professional. Um, uh, whoever takes him is going to be saddled with a huge contract, and and the I don't know where the the, the guarantee of fifty million dollars fits in that, but it's 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 a it's a tough it's a tough nut for anyone to take on. Uh, I don't think that they release Foles because he would be valuable in a backup situation. Um, but I think Minshaw is the key here, and I, I don't know if Marone. Uh, is going to get together with who's going to who's the offensive coordinator? We don't know that. I mean, it looks like uh, they're keeping John D. Filippo at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with him either. But they need to, him and Marone and D. Filippo got need to get together and figure out. You know, give me a come up with a game plan that I can use, not the one that you had for Nick. You know, Vinci uh, moves really quick in the pocket. I mean, he's 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 a and he's an affable guy. I mean, he's a funny guy guys like to play for him nick nick is just a kind of a quiet guy but he's a professional and he's a good quarterback i i, I just don't think he's going to work in this situation uh if it's a financial decision then it's uh both of these guys caldwell and rowan have got to report to shad now so uh shad's going to have to make a tough decision on that one yeah you know and, and that's the thing is you know to to have this and i wanted to to get to that point in in the fact of doug marone and dave caldwell the head coach and GM of the Jaguars, respectively, are going to report directly to Shad Khan, the owner. They are not going to be replacing the executive VP that hold that Tom Coughlin had. They're not going to be replacing that position. Shad Khan had made clear that the executive VP of football operations is not going to be filled this year. So there is no buffer. There is no one between Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone, and Shad Khan. What do you think about that? That Tom Coughlin's out and that position is going to be left vacant and so the GM and the head coach are going straight to the owner. Like it? Dislike it? I, I, it's okay, but I think Shad Khan's son is going to probably be the intermediator, even though he's not going to be a, a paid consultant like uh, Coughlin was. Uh, you know, Marone and Caldwell got to be on the same page if they're going to do this. I mean, one guy can't go over the other's head and say, I'm pissed off at Caldwell because he didn't give me what I wanted and and Caldwell says, well, I'm pissed off at Marone because he's not doing what he should have done, and, and so on and so on. So I think probably they're going to run it by uh, Shad's son. Uh, it looks like Shad, over the last couple of years, has, has grown into the football game. Football game in our country, football over where he is, is soccer. But uh, he seems to, to know, he seems to know a little bit more about what, what makes the team tick. Um, he's got to put people in position to to be successful, and I think his son is going to be the real key here. I think his son's probably going to spend a lot of time in Jacksonville, and he, of course, will report to his father. So let's see where that goes. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that's actually handled and, and, and who is going to take on the duties of that if there's not going to be a specific person, you know, that's that's going to be doing that, you know, that taking that job itself, you still have to find a way of where, you know, where is that going to go? Where's the paperwork going to be? Who's going to be in that war room? And with the draft coming up, you know, how, how much are, are Marone and Caldwell going to be involved, involved more than they were maybe in the past as they move forward in the grand scheme of things? So, you know, I mean, this morning with Papa Joe, we have spoken on, if you're just tuning in, uh, the the conversation of the Jaguars, Nick Foles to trade or not to trade, that is truly the question. And to find out, you know, really where this team is heading, what do you feel good about after a 6-10 and 10 season uh, besides Gardner Minshew because we know that he's a feel-good? Is there anything else that makes you feel positive about the Jaguars moving forward? Uh, well, that's a good question. I suppose um, the, the one thing that I, I see as a problem is they, they really lack a playmaker. Uh, I think Shark was as close as to a playmaker as they had, but they really need someone to on a wide out that can, can actually turn a game around. Uh, uh, Minshew has to have a security blanket, just like Brady did all those years with the Gronk and so on, other great quarterbacks. Uh, you know, that's the only thing that I can see, that if they're looking in the war room to, to make a move, they really need to make a move on one of these big, tall, strong uh, wideouts that are coming from college this year. Jerry Judy, for one, being uh, from uh, Alabama. But I think they need the playmaker. they got to spread it around a little bit more. So with that being said, I think they got to concentrate on that uh, offensive side of the ball. Defensive side of the ball, they got to fill in some holes. Uh, I don't know if some of the older players are going to be, be around next year. That that remains to be seen. Um, it, they, they have a lot of problems. They have a lot of problems, and it's good to look forward to at least because Coughlin won't be in the snows and everything's around. I mean, that's, that's what his job was, but uh, it just didn't set well. It wasn't the right plan. It just it just didn't work. It didn't work from the get-go. So, you know, with Coughlin being out of the picture, I think things will be run a little bit looser. Uh, and the key, of course, being uh, Scott's son, who, who will oversee everything and report back to his father. And if he sees a little chink in the armor, he's going to have to report that. By after he talks to the people involved, so you know there's not there's no I don't think there's any prima donna left on the on the team that needs to go like Ramsey uh, Fournette can be a little uh, difficult to handle at times, but these are grown men and they're and they're going to have to they're going to have to grow up real fast here because I, the, the even though Coughlin is gone, the clientele down here in Florida will not accept another six and ten year. I mean, it's it's possible. I, I would love to see eight and eight. Quite frankly, I'd take an eight eight right now, not even play a game. Uh, that you know, that's that's it in a nutshell. I, they have a lot of problems. They have a lot of areas to fill, and uh, let's see what happens. Speaking here with Papa Joe this morning as we talk pigskin, and we do this every Thursday morning in the first hour of the broadcast, at least from nine a.m. to ten a.m. Eastern time. You are with us on mixlr.com backslash DT For those listening on our internet streaming radio on video, we are here with you on Facebook Live on facebook.com backslash DT. Social media at DT on Facebook, Twitter at CallDT, Instagram at wakeupcall underscore DT as we are inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. With that being said... We, uh, I do, uh, PJ, want to uh, take a look 
at the mock drafts that are out there. And the projections right now, the Jaguars have two first-round picks this year, two first-round picks next year, and that is courtesy of the trade that I wanted when I said, if you're going to give up Jalen Ramsey, I want two first-rounders. Some people thought I was nuts, and guess what? They got two first-rounders. They got one in 2020, one in 2021 from the Rams, on top of the ones that they already had so they got exactly what I wanted for them. So I'm a happy guy. And I'm looking at some of these mock drafts right now. The Jaguars are going to pick ninth. And so there's a lot of defensive. that Now that is their pick that they have is number nine. And then the one that they get from the Rams will put them later on in the draft here. So they have the ninth pick of the first round. They have the 20th pick as well. And no matter what I've been looking at, it's linebackers, it's safeties, it's cornerbacks. Agree or disagree with that? Do they need to get a wide receiver right away? Because a bunch of these mock drafts that are going on right now are showing that they believe Jacksonville is going to go defense, whether it be secondary or linebacker. Agree or disagree with that? Well, it's probably the smart way to go. But they do have to keep in the, keep in the back of their minds that they, they need a playmaker out there. Uh, it's difficult for me to, to throw a playmaker out there being a rookie. That's a lot for a rookie to, to handle, but... Uh, they're always safe with a defensive pick. Um, when you have this many holes to fill, especially if they're not going to retain some of the older guys, Campbell and some of the other guys, uh, uh, what's it, Teflon? He's not going to be there anymore, is he? He's all done? Who is that? Yeah, he's all done. But <clears throat> I think if they, you know, they could pull the old Bill Belichick trick and say, okay, listen, I'll, uh, I'll, I want your, I want your first-round pick in the – and I'll give you uh, two second-round picks, something like that, you know, and uh, at least accumulate a bunch of a bunch of picks that they can use in the second or third round. I think that would be a smarter idea. Yeah, you know, and, and for them as they move forward here, I mean, I think that they definitely have to go after a, a receiver at some point early on. They need to have somebody that's going to – I mean, DJ Chark has definitely stepped his game up, but they're going to need some more help there they can do it in the early part of round number two but I understand them addressing corner I understand them addressing you know what they need to do at linebacker because of Telvin Smith and you bringing that up and whatnot kind of where where Telvin's gonna be and you know is he gonna play is he not gonna play you know this past season he was under contract he's under contract for two more years but what does that mean in the grand scheme of things the 2020 salary cap when we take a look at what's currently there right now. We know that Foles is under it. We know Marcel Darius is a club option. And I would imagine, I mean, I don't see the need in keeping Marcel Darius. I, I I have an issue when there's, when, when there's someone who's problematic in the locker room. So whether Marcel's good or not, I, I, do, I do think ego is a big thing to get rid of on this team. But Foles is under contract to Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye. You know, the, these are important pieces of Miles Jack. Andrew Norwell, who they brought in. Marquise Lee, that'll be a decision that they'll need to make. Uh, Leonard Fournette's there. Their center, Brandon Linder. DJ Hayden, AJ Can, their right guard. Uh, Jake Ryan, who played for them at linebacker. Josh Allen, who they just drafted. Uh, Josh Lambeau, who they extended. Uh, I, Avery Jones at defensive tackle is still under there. Chris Conley, who they brought in at receiver. Your guy from Florida, Taven Bryan. A lot of guys are under contract right now that are that are in good footing and a good position with the team so they 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 have the guys that they can bring back you know the the Perry Nickerson 
who helped him out at corner. Uh, Trey Herndon, who stepped in when Jalen Ramsey was gone. So they, they do have, you know, not too much to worry about as far as figuring out these contracts. And the biggest ones being A.J. Boye at corner and Calais Campbell defensive end, Miles Jack at linebacker. Those are ones that you wanted to wrap up and protect. So, I mean, it looks good for the Jaguars as far as this not being a contract year where they're going to have somebody ask for a lot of money. So uh, what what's your takeaway from that? I mean, it, it, it kind of, I mean, at least for me, it makes me feel good to know that they don't have to deal with contract years right now for some of these guys. I don't know. Campbell is such a nice guy and a good player. Uh, I, I, I just don't think they're going to hang on to him. And Darius is the same way. Uh, did, I think these guys, have even even though they're good players, I think they've outlived their usefulness. And Jacksonville's probably going to have to go young. Uh, that's that's what I'm looking for on the defensive side of the ball. The uh, offensive side of the ball is, is a whole different story. you got a fleet of good wide receivers out there, but not one that you can call as an ace in a hole for sure whoever's playing quarterback. Right. I think the, mo- the most critical part here is what to do with Foles. I mean, uh, you can talk defense and offense and special teams all the time, but you got Foles who is a huge contract, and if they can't if they can't trade for him, uh, they're going to have to relegate him to second string if that's what they choose to do, or release him. If they release him, they're really going to take a hit. Yeah. So it's not a not a good situation there, and that's that's the that's the uh, the bull in the closet there. That's that's the guy that uh, if they if they free him up, they got room under the cap to make some moves. They still like the idea of trading a first-round pick away for a, a couple of seconds and a third and so on down the road. You know, Bill Belichick, years ago, he hit on that that way of doing things in the draft, and, and a lot of people uh, use that. I mean, Belichick would love to have 10 picks, not even a one or a two round. So he's got – he knows what he's doing. And uh, Campbell, I mean, uh, Caldwell and Brown are not in that league, but I, I think it's something they need to visit. Yeah, you know, and, and as we look at it, speaking with Papa Joe here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, you know, when I look at this situation and who's under contract and, and how much it's going to hit, uh, Nick Foles right now is 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 hitting the cap for 2020 at almost $22 million, $21.875 million. But here's the thing. The biggest cap hit that the team is taking right now, if they were to keep them, is a 22 and a half million dollar 22.5 million dollar hit on Marcel Darius I think it is clear and present that Marcel Darius is not going to be a part of this team after this season I don't think he's done enough like I said I do think he's been an issue in the locker room I think his ego is is a is something that this team doesn't need to deal with stepping forward so you put the ego into it you put the fact that he is not you know doing what Calais Campbell's doing out there and I would imagine that they're going to let this go. The biggest cap hit that they have in 2020 is from Marcel Darius, and they have a club option. I would imagine they're going to free up that money when they let him go. I think you're right there. You know, there's someone else on the defensive line, too. I hate to admit this, but Tivon Bryan has not not done what I thought he would do. I thought he would clog up the middle a little bit more and give Campbell kind of a break, but uh, he... This last, the last game, he, he was super. He was all over the field. He had a sack, a couple of uh, tackles for losses. I mean, the talent I think is there. I'm not sure you call him a bust in the first round. Maybe they, maybe they kind of reached a little bit to get him in the first round. He probably would have been uh, available in the second round. But yeah. you know, I don't think he's playing like a first round draft pick. And uh, 
that there's another part. So you're talking about three guys in the defensive line right now that really uh, they could release him too. I mean, it could be all three guys really. So uh, they got to be real careful what they're doing here. Absolutely, as they step forward, speaking on the Jaguars of Papa Joe. We're going to take a quick step aside for a fast break. When we come back, we'll get into the NFL and the fact that numerous teams now have a new head coach, including a guy who I covered his entire time at Temple, spoke highly of him, spoke highly of him at Baylor, and now he just so happens to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. So I look forward to seeing him again. This world is small and the sports world is even smaller. Hanging out here in the studios of Charney's Menswear and Tuxedos, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Listen, it is the it is it is Central New York's biggest walk-in closet for men. That's how I look at it. Central New York's largest walk-in closet for men. You can find something for everybody. Every style, every size, every man. Head to Charney's, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Go have yourself a little shopping spree. You deserve it. Pay your bills. Do what you need to do. I know everybody in January is freaking out because in December you spend a ton of money. You get the bill in January and you're going, why did I do that? Well, here's the thing. Hopefully, you are smart with it. Always make sure you got enough to pay your bills. And then go treat yourself a little bit. And now is the time to treat yourself at Charney's. It's sunny. It's sunny outside. So take the advantage of that and go outside. Get yourself something to eat. Head off to Charney's. Have some fun because... We know that it's cold, but at least the sun is out. And there's always a silver lining to look at. So make sure that you appreciate the silver lining that you have. With that being said, Papa Joe is here with us this morning. We were talking about the Jaguars in the first portion of today's broadcast, speaking on Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, the guys that are under contract. Who do you keep? Who do you let go? Shad Khan not replacing Tom Coughlin's position. So Caldwell and Marone having to go directly there, as well as how people have responded to the move to keep the to keep Dave Caldwell as the GM, as well as to keep Doug Marone as the head coach. So all Jaguar stuff to start things off. Now we're going to look into some of these coaches that have been added on to the NFL. And so, you know, the those coaches that have been hired in the NFL right now as as, as times have moved quickly. We had Black Monday, and now all of a sudden, things have been moving very, very quick as far as who's been hired. And so to, to take a look at this with Papa Joe, uh, one of the guys that I brought up as we were heading into the break is the fact of the matter of, of Matt Rule and, you know, somebody that I covered his entire time that he was at Temple. And with him being there at Temple, you know, saw tremendous success in what he had done. I had him up for the Syracuse job when when it was kind of just open door, who does Syracuse call? He was on my list of who Syracuse should have been calling and to have there. So, I mean, that would have been a great opportunity for the Orange. And you look at him now, what he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor. Now he's been hired as the Carolina Panthers head coach. And so I know PJ's got a thought on this. Matt Rule, he, he's come a long way from being in Philadelphia with the Temple Owls, and then he goes on to the Big 12, and now he is the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. PJ, PJ, what is your take on this move by the Carolina Panthers to bring in Matt Rule? Well, technically speaking, I don't like the move. Uh, financially speaking, I don't like the move. I mean, Matt Rule is a successful coach. I mean, he, he turned around Temple, he turned around Baylor. I mean, those are entirely different situations. You're dealing with kids. You're not dealing with men. Plus, the owner of, of 
the Carolinas. I don't know what got into the guy, but he winds up giving him, I don't know, $60 million over seven years. I mean, that that's an astonishing amount of money for a college coach. I mean, what do you do to uh, the other coaches in the league who've been around for years, not talking about Chucky out there in the West Coast, but, you know, Mike Tomlin and, and uh, uh, Sean Payton and all these guys don't make anywhere near that kind of money. So what what the Carolina Panthers have actually done is they think they brought in a coach that can move the team, which is fine, but they just blew up the entire structure of how do you pay a coach. I mean, if this guy is worth $60 million over seven years, what are the other guys worth who have won Super Bowls and have perennially good teams every year? Uh, it's it's a joke. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could have got the guy for a lot less than that. And 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 you look what Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones isn't going to pay anywhere near that for a, a proven football coach like Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy checks all the boxes. He's a Super Bowl winner. He's got an incredible one loss record of something like a hundred and thirty two and fifty seven or some. You know, a really 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 good record. He's proven. He's not going to make that kind of money, uh, but. You know, you got the soap opera that's Jerry Jones over there. So I think I wish Carolina luck. You know, I, I hope the guy is successful, but uh, he, he really put a – the owner really put a chink in the armor of, uh, of how you pay a coach. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. We saw it last year with John Gruden returning to the sideline, making $10 million a year, a $100 million contract, 10 years, $100 million, so 10 a year. And now we look at Matt Rule hired to the Carolina Panthers. It's a seven-year contract worth $60 million. With incentives, it could be up to $70 million. So this is yet another coach within the last two years that could be making $10 million a year. John Gruden had been a head coach, came back in the NFL. Matt Rule has never been an NFL head coach. Now we have two coaches making potentially $10 million a year, PJ. And and to your point of what you're saying, but in the case of Matt Rule, he has no experience to go off of being worth $10 million a year. No, he's not. Of course not. I mean, he's dealing, he's going to be dealing with men. I don't, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he's a rah-rah kind of guy. He's probably very organized. I don't know much about him really. I mean, he's a, he's successful. I'm not going to take that away from him, but. Oh, it, 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 it boggles the mind that these owners can throw this kind of money around. And, you know, we look at the Dallas Cowboys. They hired Mike McCarthy, the former head coach of the Green Bay Packers. He knows what it's like to bring a team to the Super Bowl. He has had tremendous success. Jerry Jones, when he had Jimmy Johnson, he had something. But Jerry Jones has a massive ego. So Jimmy Johnson and him didn't stay together that long. Since then... He's had some coaches with attitudes and egos, and Jason Garrett and people saying, why did Jason Garrett last so long? I don't know Jason personally. I just know from the outside looking in, Jerry Jones seemed to like the fact that it didn't seem like Jason was going to buck him, and I don't know. Maybe he did, but from the outside looking in and purely from that point, and this is purely my opinion, it seemed like Jerry Jones had a puppet, and that's what made sense to him. Mike McCarthy's not a puppet, so is the hiring of Mike McCarthy to the Dallas Cowboys, is this Jerry Jones admitting that he's looking back into having a Jimmy Johnson type of situation where he has gonna have he's gonna have somebody buck him, he's gonna have someone with with maybe an ego that's going to kind of put it like it is. What's your take on this? Because at least for me in this moment, it seems like before we see a down, 
that Mike McCarthy is more of a head coach that's going to say to Jerry, you know what, maybe you stay upstairs, Jerry. Do you like this? Do you get a feel for that? Because Jerry has not won with a puppet. And so it seems like he, he's maybe getting that he can't do that anymore. What do you think about the hiring of Mike McCarthy? And do you think that this is Jerry Jones not having a puppet anymore? Uh, you're right about that. I think that this last decade was lost in, in Dal- Dallas. Uh, Jer- Jason Garrett's a good coach. Not a great coach, but a good coach. He'll land on his feet somewhere. Uh, Jerry Jones, I don't know. I'm just going out on a limb with this, too. He may be able, he may be feeling now that he needs to step aside a little bit, let his son take over. He's 77 years old. Let the man do his job. You know, if, if after two or three years you don't like what he's doing, you fire him and you bring in someone else. But stop meddling. Get, get the hell out of the way. Mike McCarthy knows what he's doing. I mean, it, Look, at, I know Aaron Rodgers from being up in Milwaukee and everything. Aaron Rodgers has a big ego, too. And he and McCarthy crashed an awful lot together. Uh, and, you know, Rodgers won because he's a franchise quarterback. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, McCarthy can't win in a different situation. He won with Aaron Rodgers, and he'll probably win with Dak Prescott, too. But, you know, Jerry, do everyone a favor. Shut the hell up. Move out of the way. You know, let your son take over a little bit, you know, and just let the man coach football, let the guys play football instead of meddling. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing that it seems to just, this is something that doesn't happen that often because Jerry is meddling so much he doesn't know how to step back, or maybe he knows how to step back, he just chooses not to. But in the situation that we're in right now, it looks like when you hire Mike McCarthy, you're hiring a name. You're... You're going to have to deal with the fact that you're getting somebody who has experience, he has respect, and I'm hoping for the Dallas Cowboys to have a coach that, you know, is going to demand that this is his team. When they are on the field, this is his team. Jerry wants to be a part of drafting him. He wants to be a part of this. Listen, Jerry Jones should be, what do I need to do to upgrade the stadium? When he had all those seats, when they had to put extra seats in the stadium and they're trying to duct tape seats on top of seats, he needs to be, you know, think about that stuff. How do we put more seats in? How do we make this look nice? How do we make sure the video board's looking pretty and this, that, and the other? I got to shake hands and kiss babies. That's what Jerry Jones should be doing. Mike McCarthy is your head coach. Mike McCarthy is responsible for the players that are on that team. And that is where Jerry needs to learn how to stay upstairs. You know what they need to do for Jerry Jones? They need to pull the emergency thing on the elevator so that he can't get downstairs during a game. That's what they need to do. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. <laughs> Jerry, uh, you know, there's most of the football fans in the country, let's face it, love to see Jerry Jones fail. I mean, he's just a, he's a pain in the ass. I mean, you, you hear him on TV, you read him in the newspaper. It's just a pain. I mean, he's he's for 20 years... He's 20, actually 24 years. I think he took over the team in, in 95, somewhere around there. But anyway, he, he hasn't won enough. And he seems to think that him being owner, general manager, and chief bottle washer and everything, yeah. that he's going to get everything right. Well, it hasn't worked over the years. He, he His way of doing things is not working. So he brings in a coach. Why did he, why did he wait one week, seven days, before naming Mike McCarthy. He, Mike wasn't working anywhere. He wasn't on TV anywhere. I mean, he could, as soon as he got rid of Jason Garrett, eventually, uh, he could have brought in right away and, and stop all this opera stuff. So 
a week, everyone in the country is wondering what Jerry's going to do. You know, how's he going to screw this up? Yeah. He, he could have done it right away instead of waiting. And he waited. More soap operas from Dallas. Who wants to read this? Who wants to see this? Jason Garrett is, is hung out on a limb. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's mind-boggling that Jerry Jones can be as much money as he worth, considering all the wacky-ass decisions he's had to make over the years. Absolutely, and we look at it right now. He hires Mike McCarthy, 125 wins, 77 losses, one tie. Went to the playoffs in nine of his 13 seasons with Green Bay. He looks the part. It, it feels, it, it feels again, like this is more on the side of a Jimmy Johnson hire than it is a Jason Garrett hire. The hope is there for the Dallas Cowboys. Do you believe that Mike McCarthy can take them to the next level? Do you... Do you have a sense for this? Do you have respect for you know what Mike McCarthy has done by the numbers and overall? I mean, what what is your when you saw Mike McCarthy get the job in Dallas? Did you think you know this this is this is one of the moments where Dallas can finally get back to where they need to go? How do you take it? Well, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan. I can tell you that right now. But uh, bringing Mike McCarthy in certainly is a, an asset. Uh, now he has said in the last couple of days, he wants to do things his way. He's got his own offense that he wants to run. He's going to tell Kellen Moore what, you know, what he needs to do to be successful. Mike McCarthy has a system. He's not going to deviate from that system. I'll tell you that from being in Milwaukee all this time. He doesn't deviate. He will do things his way. And if he's not successful, so be it. But if given a chance, his way is a successful way, and I think he needs to do that, and I think Jerry just needs to get the hell out of the way. And hopefully he will as we look at this. Speaking of getting the hell out of the way, the Carolina Panthers would not let the Giants get in on anything. They pushed them right out of the way in the grand scheme of things. The Giants, once again, seem to be fumbling the snap. They have tried to find a head coach. They had Pat Shermer with them. They thought he would be good coming over from Minnesota. Then, allegedly, they wanted Matt Rule. They wanted to make a big splash. They ended up hiring Joe Judge, the wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots. Basically, uh, you know, and it was, from again, from the outside looking in, this is how it looked to me. It almost looked like the Giants were like, okay, nobody else is left. Let's go get anybody from the Patriots. We'll get the guy that deflated the balls if we need to. Whatever we need to do, let's bring in somebody from the New England Patriots to make our fans feel good. Well, the fans don't feel good. We look at these, we look at what's happening right now, and we look at reality, and the New York Giants look like they were just left with whatever was left. Washington Redskins got Ron Rivera, who I couldn't believe was fired by Carolina. Matt Rules in Carolina. The Cowboys get Mike McCarthy. The Browns are still trying to figure out how to handle their life, but the Giants go and get Joe Judge, the wide receivers coach of the Patriots. Thoughts on this one? I, I must admit, uh, you know, I'm pretty learned when it comes to the football. Uh, I did not know who Joe Judge was. I didn't, never, never heard his name. And I follow the Patriots. At look at, they already got a head coach on their staff if they wanted to try to steal someone, and that's Josh McDaniels if he wanted to interview for it. Right. Why would you? Why would you not at least ask Josh McDaniels, who is a head coach in waiting, and go down the line to Joe Judge? I don't. It, this is a. This is a, a, a poser, an enigma. I don't understand how these guys were thinking either. 
the only good thing the Giants have done recently is got uh, their quarterback. Young is going to be going to be a good quarterback. Maybe not a great quarterback, but they need someone to mentor him. I don't know what Joe Judge is going to do. They say he's a taskmaster. He's hard. He's dominant. That's good stuff. You know, you're dealing with men. You got to treat them like men. I don't. I don't know where the Giants. Giants. There are plenty of other really good coaches out there that don't have a job, and they got to go pull something like this. It, it, it boggles the mind, Daniel. I don't get it. And you know, we looked at. And again, I mean, it looked like they they made a a very. It looked like they made a decision where they weren't thinking things through. It looked like they, again, botched the snap, that they weren't ready for this. They've needed offensive line help for years. They haven't gotten it. They need wide receivers. They haven't gone out and got them. They need defensive help. They haven't gone out and gotten it. So, I mean, Saquon Barkley, I can imagine after his rookie contract, will be looking elsewhere. Speaking of looking elsewhere, the Cleveland Browns, who don't seem to know how to do anything since they came back in 1999, they have had a ton of different quarterbacks. They have also had a ton of different head coaches. And I was not a Freddie Kitchens fan of the hire when it happened last year because, again, Greg Williams took over the team at the end of the year. When he took over the team, which I believe was for the last six games, it seemed like they believed in him. It seemed like there was life. It seemed like there was positivity. It seemed like there was an uptick. But just like the Browns do, whenever something's going good in Cleveland, they botch it. They, they throw it away. They see a good thing, and they make it a bad thing. The Cleveland Browns are allergic to success. And the Freddie Kitchens hire to me was their way of stating that. We have Freddie Kitchens as an assistant. We have Greg Williams as an assistant. Greg is the interim head coach. He makes perfect sense. No, let's get rid of him and let's bring it. Let's keep Freddie Kitchens here. Kitchens didn't make any sense being the head coach of this team. And when he was given the job, here's the thing. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Jarvis Landry. You have David Njoku. You have Kareem Hunt. You have Nick Chubb. You have Baker Mayfield. You have Miles Garrett. And uh, you have my guy Sheldrick Redwine, who was drafted this year out of Miami. And on and on and on and on and on. You have a team that was not winning games with more talent, arguably, than they have had since their return in 1999. This might have been the most talented team who did absolutely nothing and when you have the talent and you're not winning that goes on the head coach I don't understand why they hired Freddie Kitchens in the beginning but the Cleveland Browns are the only team out there looking for a head coach right now well the Browns I guess can be just as dysfunctional as the the Cowboys I I like that I like the comment that Troy Aikman made the other day that that the Cowboys are just functional I mean I guess that's why that's guess what you call it Jerry Jones's world, but yeah. it, it appears like Cleveland is, is following that same path. The Haslam family is extremely, uh, extremely wealthy and very, very successful. They have a string of truck stops. None of my son drives around the country in a truck. Uh, he he flies, flies, he's flying a truck stops. There's dozens of them, hundreds of them around the country. And certainly the guy is very, uh, very successful. Um, I thought bringing in Kitchen would be a shot because he got Got along with Baker Mayfield, okay, uh, but you got to do something else besides helping your quarterback score points. You got to run the whole show. Freddie just wasn't up to the task. He just didn't have enough experience. Uh, Haslam family is waiting again to the very last minute. A lot of people are going to be already taking jobs. You got some college jobs that are going to be grabbed up here in the next week or so. Uh, what what I fear. What I fear is that 
Cleveland is going to get um, what's my favorite coach? <laughs> what's my favorite coach, Daniel? The favorite coach I hate to hate. The fa- yes, I know. Yeah, I know. You you think you still think you think that maybe keep him in Ohio, I guess. So yeah, he's. Well, Josh McDaniels from Ohio, too. Went to high school over there. I mean, Josh McDaniels makes more sense than Urban Meyer. Uh, but, you know, Haslam may want to make a splash because they look what I did. I brought in the most successful college coach in the last 25 years, which he has been. Urban Meyer has been. But, you know, Josh McDaniels makes a lot more sense if McDaniels is going to leave. We always hear about McDonald's going here. He interviews here. He screwed up Indianapolis last year. He's interviewed over there. He's interviewed everywhere. He's supposed to be the coach in waiting at New England, but that's another situation that has to play out. Uh, I'm not sure Josh McDaniels is, is going to stay if uh, Tom Brady doesn't sign or doesn't play for the Patriots. Now you really have a situation that, that New England doesn't want. It could, it could benefit Cleveland. Getting Josh McDaniel to Cleveland would be a smart move on Hassan's part. He's a proven coach. He may have a, he may be immature a little bit a couple of years ago, but he's in his mid-40s. He's got a brilliant offensive mind. He can score points. He worked with the best quarterback that's ever played the game. He would make a lot better sense than the Hasslands moving around the country trying to figure out if Urban Meyer is going to make it to his team or not. And Urban ain't going to come cheap, I'll tell you that. So, uh, good luck with Cleveland, but there is dysfunctional analysis. You know, we're looking at this right now, and and some people are are looking at at the opportunity that maybe this this could happen. Like you said, Urban Meyer to the Browns, and 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 are laughing this thing off. Are are really hoping that this is not the case. There's been mentioned that there's potential strong interest, but as I tell people all the time on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, unless it's my source that I trust, I take everything with a giant grain of salt. Urban Meyer's 55 years old. He's never coached in the NFL. He's been quote-unquote retired since 2018, but we look at what he's done. I mean, it was at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State. His record is 187 wins and 32 losses, three national championships he has had. But there is that notion and that mention that maybe, just maybe, he could go to Cleveland. And there's also the notion that they would hire Jason Garrett. Here's the thing. It would be so Cleveland to hire a coach that doesn't win. But I don't understand. And, I, you know, like they said that Marvin Lewis allegedly had, had gone for the job with the Cowboys as well and interviewed for that. And Marvin Lewis continuously went to playoff games with the Bengals and didn't win. So, I mean... I'm not. This is not me wishing bad on anybody. This is me just asking a question because it seems confusing to me. PJ, why would you hire Marvin Lewis, who consistently can't win in the playoffs? Why would you hire Jason Garrett, who's not doing anything in Dallas? Why would a team that is in desperate need of getting better hire a coach who is not going to? From what I mean, coaches can coaches can grow and they can evolve. But if you have a coach that has been unsuccessful in the NFL and you're unsuccessful as a team in the NFL, why would you hire a coach if you're unsuccessful and they're unsuccessful? Why would two unsuccessfuls equal successful? Well, the coaches you just mentioned are, are 500 coaches at best. You know, Marvin Lewis, I don't know how he stuck around as long as he did at Cincinnati. Uh, you know, he was marginally successful. He's a 500 coach. I mean, same with Jason Garrett. Look, it has, has to make a splash. 
And I think he's been waiting for things from shakedown. And I think I really think that he's looking at McDaniels. I really do. Uh, now that McDaniels is out of the playoff, he's always been his own man. He does want to stay in uh, New England if Brady is there and Belichick leaves. You know, he does. He's supposed to be, you know, the coach in waiting. We've already discussed that. Uh, it would be smart if Haslin were to, to hire someone that has NFL experience yeah. that can, can that can score points and also run the rest of the team. Josh McDaniel is not a defensive coach. You know, that's that's not his bellywood. You know, uh, Belichick didn't give him the defensive side of the ball. He gave him the offensive side of the ball. And he scored millions of points with, with Tom Brady. It would seem logical to any football fan that if you're Cleveland, you need to find a man like that that has a mind like that. To use, it, use the offensive tools that he has. Baker Mayfield is a hell of a quarterback. He's immature as hell. He's a punk. But he can fling it. That's what they need to find. They need to find someone like that. Not Urban Meyer, but someone like Josh McDaniel. If the situation arises in, in New England where he's not going to feel comfortable anymore. It's pretty. It, it's a pretty touchy situation in New England right now. I hate to see Brady go out on a... I want to see him go out as a what night. I don't want to see him linger around for two years like Joe Montana did or Brett Favre did. You know, it, it's not going to be successful. Uh, Brady should retire. Let... McDaniel take over New England and let Jimmy Haslam and Cleveland come up with someone else. Tough situation all the way around. It definitely is because we speak here at Papa Joe this morning about the pigskin. And, you know, it is a tough situation. And I agree with you that Tom Brady, you know, you, you got to leave on a high note. He said on his Instagram that he has more to prove. And so, I, I mean, I love the gumption. I love the desire. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't make sense. And Josh McDaniels, this would be crazy when Bill Belichick was the coach of the Browns, he wasn't good. And so if Josh McDaniels is to leave Bill Belichick to go to the Browns, that would be a full circle type of feel to it in a way. And it would be interesting. But here's the thing about Josh McDaniels that I question. He allegedly had taken the job with the Colts. He was going to the Colts. And then in the, uh, I don't even want to call it the 11th hour. Let's call it 1159. He decided to stay with the Patriots. That would make me never trust that guy's word again. So if I'm, if I'm the Jaguars, absolutely. If their job comes open next season, I thought it was going to be this season, I would have called Josh McDaniels first. But I also would have looked at it and gone, well, you know, he gave his word to the Colts. And your word is your bond. Floyd Little told me a long time ago, your word is the most expensive thing you own. Your word is the biggest thing that you have. You don't have your word. You have nothing. You're worthless. You got, you have no, you have no value if you don't have your word. So Josh McDaniels is a tremendous offensive coordinator, but what is his value if his word doesn't have any weight? And that is what I think makes a team very question. You know, you question the fact of, do we even want to call him? Because if he says yes, it could be no. And if he says no, it's no. So is there a yes within the no's? And is there a yes within the yes? And I, I think that that is what, I mean, I would be gun shy of talking to Josh McDaniels because if I'm going to spend all this time and I'm going to get deep into contracts and we're spending weeks and we're going over paperwork and we got lawyers involved and then all of a sudden it doesn't work out. It's kind of like wanting to buy a house and you go back and forth with the owner and you sit with your real estate agent and they sit with theirs and you sit with the lawyers and the day you're supposed to sign the house over, they go, eh, I think we're going to keep it. That's what Josh McDaniels feels like. So has that hurt him 
in your opinion, has it hurt, has it hurt him how he handled Indianapolis that he is a successful coach, but is he almost pigeonholed to stay in New England when Bill Belichick hangs it up because of the fact that his word does not seem to be his bond? Well, the word thing is 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 problematical, but look at when he was offered that job, uh, Kraft was not involved uh, with attempting to try to keep him in New England at that time. Okay. The triumphant got together, Brady and Belichick and Kraft got together and say, hey, we can't let this guy go. What's it going to take to keep him? So they offer him more money. The guy says no to Indianapolis and comes back to uh, to New England. I, I really think that the reason he came back, not because he doesn't want to be a head coach. He was a head coach for a while. It didn't work out at Denver. But it, it I really think that he wants to stay in New England. He wants to work with Brady a couple more years. You know, I don't know if Belichick is, is is wants to coach anymore. I think Belichick has a little bit of an ego. I think he wants to get the most wins away from Don Shula, which will, you know, make him a he's already a Hall of Fame coach, but you know, he wants to win. I don't know if Belichick wants to go through the heartache of trying to groom another quarterback if Brady doesn't live leave. There's all sorts of scenarios in in New England that are gonna affect Josh McDaniel, even college coaches. You know, he Josh McDaniel is marketable. He may have had a, a little blip in the road, and, I, and he should be chastised for that. That's true. You know, his word was his bond, but money talks, and that's what happened in that situation. So uh, I'd love to see what's going to happen because I really think it's going to affect Cleveland too. Yeah, you know, and I think that Cleveland, unfortunately – it, just like the Giants is in a bad situation. PJ, I'm putting up a poll. There's a bunch of poll questions. We put up poll questions, try to put them up every week. And so you can get to them on Twitter at CallDT, C-A-L-L-D-T. Click follow there and you'll be able to get the updates from us. And you can also do it on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT on Facebook so that you could vote in these. I'm putting one up right now and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So as I am putting this up and, and making it live, and I'm going to make it live in just a couple seconds here in this moment as we have uh, Minshew Mania. I want to spin back before we go to college to speak about Gardner Minshew uh, just one more time. And that is, uh, you know, in, in this in this poll that I have, if you could, would you vote? Because he's not in this. And, and I'm very surprised that he didn't get an opportunity to be in this with everything that he's done. But if you could, would you vote for Gardner Minshew for Rookie of the Year? And so I am putting this poll up right now. We're about to make it live, and you can go and vote. I will add it to Facebook as well, but currently it's going to be on Twitter, at CallDT, that's C-A-L-L-D-T. If you could, would you vote for Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew for Rookie of the Year, yes or no? Absolutely, yes. I mean, Kyler Murray is the is the is the trend. I mean, that's the one that who looks like he's probably going to win it. But Murray, Murray didn't play as well, frankly, as Minshew did. Uh, Minshew came in under the gun, uh, learned as he went by the seat of his pants, got the guys to buy in. You know, I, I still, I, and I've said this many times in in the broadcast the last couple of weeks. You did not see the last game. When this guy was winning, the the players around him were ecstatic. They were bouncing all over the place. They were they they have bought into Gardner Minshew, and I think that the football writers see that and they say, "Well, look 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 what the guy did. He he threw for twenty seven hundred yards. He got twenty something touchdowns. So only ten interceptions. Whatever the stats are, 
you know, he definitely deserves to be in that conversation. And in my opinion, he should win it. Yeah, you know, and, and I agree. And, and I look forward to seeing what, what people are going to uh, put into this and, and what their thoughts are if, if they believe it. And we're just adding it to Facebook now as well. PJ and I are going to take a final step aside. When we come back, we're going to get into Clemson and LSU because, believe it or not, the next time that Papa Joe and I speak, it will be after after the college football playoff championship game because that's coming up this Monday, January 13th. So PJ and I will be back right after this fast break, listening to our great partners in Central and Upstate New York, and then we will discuss with you Tigers versus the Tigers. And this is where I feel like they should have made this the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl because you got two Tigers that are truly great. Hanging out with you inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And we are also on Facebook Live for you, so you're watching. Hello, facebook.com backslash live now. DT, a man who does impressions, they just kind of fly out randomly. So, and normally I've learned that whether people like Trump or they don't, they like to hear the impression, but people are getting so frustrated with this being an election year as well that I, I haven't, I haven't done it in a while. Because everybody's upset and everybody's on edge. So I was like, Sterling Great, wonderful, happy to be here, 2020, going to make it one more time. But everybody's upset. You know, there's a lot of things that are going on. And that's why Papa Joe and I go, no politics. We're talking about this. Hopefully, Iran and, Sarah, Iran and, and the United States can put it all away and be done with it. But PJ, I mean, this is, this is what makes me really concerned. And we could talk about it for a second. On social media, they, they had a thing about World War III popping up. Are you concerned about anything right now? What are your thoughts? Because I want to be concerned about the national championship game, not about Iran and Iraq and the United States. What what are you paying attention to? I think uh, I think the Donald's got it under control. He, he, he made a statement. He did what he did. He retaliated. Uh, no, one, uh, no one lost their lives. Uh, American, no American lost their lives. I think that uh, what he's going to do is he's going to put sanctions on Iran, and that's going to be the end of it. Uh, Iran are cowards. They're, that's the way they are. That's the way they run. That's the way they rule. And uh, the sanctions are going to hurt more than anything else. So I think after this week, it'll be it'll be done. It'll be dead. Well, hopefully things will be okay, and we can stay safe as we step in to 2020. And what we know, what we do know is that there is a national championship going on, and there's positives to be had from that. As, as I put up the poll here for Gardner Minshew, so make sure you vote on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT and on Twitter at Call DT. that's C-A-L-L-D-T. Feel free to vote there as well. We are in just a few days within just a small window of the national championship game, the college football playoff. Now, you and I have talked about the fact that there's over 40 bowl games. But this is the one that decides who the national champion is going to be. Justin said hi, and uh, Alan said I'm for him. So we're, we're and, and I don't know what you guys are referring to, but hello and thank you so much. So we are here this morning, and we are talking about the national championship. We know that it's Clemson. We know that it's LSU. I picked LSU and Ohio State. I said, if I'm going to be wrong about anything, it's going to be about Clemson. And if I'm going to be wrong, I'm happy to be wrong. I was wrong about that. I still think LSU is the best team in the nation. 
What is your take, Papa Joe, as we step into this game? I am so excited for this game on Monday night. You would think that I went to one of these schools. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's January 13th. It's on a Monday. Clemson versus LSU for all the marbles. Last year, I watched the championship game, and Clemson just annihilated Alabama, took care of the SEC. What are your—I mean, bring me—I I am— I'm so excited. I'm so like, I, I'm into it, right? I'm thinking in my head, what am I making for dinner? What snacks am I having? Who's coming to the house? We're putting it on the big screen. What's your thoughts, PJ? Uh, it's it's going to be a good game. I, you know, I, I have questioned how the, the bowl committees uh, schedule these deals. There's no reason that they had to wait two weeks to show this game right. i think the kids and the coaches uh they, they want to get on with it you know there's only so many hitting uh, uh hitting exercises you can do between offense and defense on your own teams and you don't want to hurt anyone uh you know it, it, in order to keep them sharp i think there should only be a week delay but money talks and they're building up the ad revenues and making all the all the, the ad plans to it's like a super bowl sunday you know you're going to see new ads from companies that are going to cost million dollars for 30 seconds that's that's the name of the game it's money um you know and you got a couple of folksy guys sweeney and and coach o are folksy guys both southern guys coach o, a, a louisiana boy and it's it's, it's nice to, to read the, the stories about the guys and it's nice to hear some of the folksy stuff uh maybe the rest of the country maybe may not appreciate it but i uh, especially Coach O coming the long way around, as you know, because he was part of Syracuse for a while. Uh, coach O is perfect for Louisiana State. It's just if any coach had to come down and, and coach for Louisiana State, it's Coach O. Um, I, I do believe you're right. I think that uh, uh, Louisiana State is the best team in the country. I think we're going to find out very quickly, just like we did, like do with every football game within the first five minutes. The line of scrimmage is going to determine. Who's gonna Who's gonna uh, excel at running the ball, throwing the ball early? Who's gonna stop the other team early? Defensive line, linebackers, yeah. and you're gonna see the rest of the country. You're gonna see really fast, fast football. Uh, these wideouts, LSU's wideouts, are almost as good as Alabama's wideouts, which is saying something because those guys are fast. Uh, Clemson doesn't have the speed that that they do, but they got a good, uh, excellent quarterback at Lawrence. So, you know, nothing needs to be said anymore about these teams. We know about them. We know all the offensive players, the defensive players, the special teams. We know who the kickers are. We know all the little folksy things about the coaches. It's time to play, and uh, it's probably driving the kids crazy, and it's probably driving the coaches even more crazy. So let's just get it on, and, and let's hope the nation enjoys a good football game. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be – Tremendous. Uh, we look at what you know. What both of these teams bring in. Uh, Clemson is scoring forty-five point three points per game. LSU is scoring forty-eight point nine. Insanity. If they were playing Syracuse when defensive coordinator Brian Ward was there, it would be eighty points per game. But listen, I, and I, I again, it's not a witch. I'm just I'm like it's a joke, but it's also true. So and and you know I mean when Syracuse had Ward as their defensive coordinator, gave up thirty-eight points a game. Uh, it, it once game, it's three game stretch gave up 54 points a game, so danger zone. But Clemson scoring 45.3, LSU scoring 48.9. Their defenses are doing 
great things. How about this? Clemson scores 45 points a game. They allow 10.6. LSU scores 48.9 points per game. They allow 21.2. So Clemson's allowing, I mean, 35 points less. And then you look at LSU, which is, you know, nothing shabby about this. 27, almost 30 points less, 27 points less. Yardage-wise, both of them are over 530 yards a game. And as far as passing, that goes to LSU. Rushing goes to Clemson with Travis Etienne. And then yards allowed, ultimately, LSU allows more, 341. Clemson allows 244. So we look at these, and sometimes Clemson's winning it, sometimes LSU is. But, you know, teams that can score the ball and prevent you from scoring. On top of all of this, Clemson replaced their entire defensive line from last year. They're all in the NFL, and yet they're allowing 10 points a game. Isn't that a beautiful thing, Papa Joe, that not only can they build, a t- but this is why I say that Clemson and Alabama are in a world of their own. You lose your entire defensive front, your front line defense. The first thing that you have to help you against the teams that you're playing up against and you allow 10 points a game with a bunch of guys that were not your starters. I mean, greatness on both sides, but can we go to that point for a second that Clemson replaced their entire defensive line, yet they allow 10 points a game? Well, that, that's true. Uh, I agree with those numbers. Uh, you got to remember what Clemson is playing this year. They uh, they played, played in a very weak conference this year from top to bottom. Uh, most of the teams uh, have not played up to their potential. And as you and I spoke over the over the year, is that Clemson just rolls right through them. They had one tough game, uh, but the rest of them, they just, they just rolled right through. So the competition level wasn't quite as great as it is for LSU. LSU giving up 21 points a game, it's not a big deal because most of their games are over with at halftime. So they bring in their ninth and tenth string, and these guys give up yards and points. So... Even though it's it's it, it needs to be talked about, it's not going to be a, not going to be an issue here. Uh, both teams can score. Uh, it's it, it's really going to come down to who who's going to control the ball, and who's going to control the line of scrimmage. Uh, watching Joe Burrow over the years uh, and seeing all the time that he has to throw the ball, he's got five seconds back there sometimes, and he's going to find and he's going to find someone open. Uh, Maybe not so much uh, Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have quite as much time, and his receivers aren't quite as good. But you got the best running back in the nation in Clemson, ETN, and he's gonna he's gonna continue. You got you got to keep LSU off off the field. What do we always say about that? Your offensive has to control the ball. They got to run the ball, yeah. short passes, keep you know seven minute drives, eight minute drives. You know, keep LSU off the off the field. That's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to both line plays. And who's gonna who's gonna uh, top out best? You know, we look at the fact, that, and you look at rushing yards that they that we have on these teams. Uh, Clyde Edwards uh, Hilaire has for for LSU this season has. I mean, it's no slouch by any stretch of the imagination. Over thirteen hundred yards rushing, almost two hundred carries, sixteen touchdowns. But ETN one thousand five hundred thirty six yards on 192 carries, less carries, more. How about this? Less carries and and over 200 more yards with less carries than Edwards. 18 touchdowns on the season. We're looking at what I think in this game offensively. It's Joe Burrow versus Travis Etienne. It's the man that can score seven touchdowns in a first half of a game in Joe Burrow versus Etienne who can condense the clock by running the ball and can always break out that big-time play. 
when we put that all together, though, how about this, Papa Joe? Tre you know, when we look at ETN, obviously he's doing his thing, but Trevor Lawrence, who won as a true freshman, a national championship, Trevor Lawrence is an underdog in this game. He is an underdog in this matchup because of Joe Burrow. 5,208 yards passing for Burrow. 55 touchdowns to six interceptions. Get out of here. On the other side of it with Trevor Lawrence, 3,431 yards passing. 36 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Those numbers are fantastic, but he's an underdog. How strange is that for us to be here this morning talking about the fact that Trevor Lawrence is the underdog in a game where typically since the moment he's joined college football, he has been the guy. You know, you got to be Clemson on the field. I've always said that all year long. Uh, I don't care how bad Clemson, the, the league was that Clemson was playing in. You got to beat him on the field. I know LSU is going to be a favorite. They're probably a, maybe a seven to 10 point favorite. And, uh, Clemson is undefeated in how many, 20 games or 29 games or some ridiculous number. Uh, and you, look, at Lawrence proved something last week when he scooted 67 yards untouched and juked out a few guys along the way. How how many times do you see a six foot six, 220-pound white guy run that fast, Daniel? No way. But he did, and uh, he's got an element that Joe Burrow, even though Joe Burrow runs, he doesn't run as well as this kid does. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be fun to watch, too. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be exciting, and PJ and I are going to be talking about it when we spin back around next Thursday. You can make sure to set your time, set your clock, get it all ready. No matter what you're doing, we go with you. That's the beauty of being on internet streaming radio and internet streaming TV is that you have us wherever you are. Tune in live Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And every Thursday, including this upcoming Thursday, a week from today, PJ and I on January 16th will be talking about this college football championship between Clemson and LSU and who won it and what happened. We'll be on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT for those of you watching and for those of you listening on MixLR, which stands for Mix Live Radio. MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. In the meantime, PJ, enjoy your cold weather that you have down there as we continue to scrape off our cars and I continue to get pissed at myself that my garage isn't cleaned enough for me to put my car in the garage for goodness sakes. And as always, I appreciate you. My best to you and MT and Joey and everybody down there. And we look forward to talking with you soon. Okay, see you later. Bye. Take care.